Nice, thank you. And uh, isn't the Lord worthy of all of our worship and praise? Uh, Mark chapter 4. If you have your place in the Word of God, let's stand as we read here tonight a portion of God's Word. We're going to skip down to the end of the chapter. We'll come back, Lord willing, on Sunday and fill in the previous details or the details in the previous part of the chapter. Uh, just this week, uh, a lot of you have faced some things and changes at work. You received memos at your workplace uh, this week, and uh, it's made uh, really uh, some difficult days and some difficult thoughts for many of you. And uh, so I was taken here in, in my heart and mind to this section of Scripture uh, this evening and uh, want, to, want to begin to, uh, to just look at, uh, at this thought here tonight, the Savior and the storm. And uh, the Lord's so good in the midst of the storm. Uh, verse number 35, and it reads, In the same day when the even was come, he saith unto them, Let us pass over unto the other side. And when they had sent away the multitude, they took him even as he was in the ship. And there were also with him other little ships. And there arose a great storm of wind, and the waves beat into the ship so that it was now full. And he was in the hinder part of the ship, asleep on a pillow. And they awake him and say unto him, Master, carest thou not that we perish? And he arose and rebuked the wind and said unto the sea, Peace be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. And he said unto them, Why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? And they feared exceedingly and said one to another, What manner of man is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? What a Jesus, what a Savior that we serve. Let's go to the Lord this evening in prayer, and would you ask the Lord tonight to have his way in this service, and so important right here, that we yield our hearts unto him. We need to hear from the Lord tonight. Father, we thank you tonight. What a privilege, again, to be in this place, and thank you, Lord. You've been so good to us, so gracious to us. Lord, we just want to come into your presence here tonight and want to yield ourselves. Lord, we need you tonight. We need to hear from heaven. Lord, we need you as we listen. We need you as we would put into application that which you give unto us. And Lord, I need you as I preach here tonight. And Lord, would you have your way in this service. Exalt your name, we pray and ask. And Lord, thank you already. You've been so good. Worthy is your name. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. And you may be seated this evening. As you look through the Word of God, uh, there are several occasions where you will find storms. And you'll see several storms in the life and the ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ. And uh, really, God uses the storms to teach us some important life lessons. Uh, just a couple of the storms that you're very familiar with. We know of Jonah. And in the jo life of Jonah, there was a storm of, of discipline. And we know Jonah was called of God to go to Nineveh to preach the word of God, and Jonah disobeyed the Lord. And if you look at the direction that Jonah fled, he went just the opposite direction from where God had called him. And so we know the, the story that God sent a storm, and God was seeking Jonah. He was seeking the attention of Jonah. And it was through the storm and then through the whale and uh, through all of the discipline of God that God brought Jonah back to the will of God, back to his knees, and put Jonah back on track 
to preach uh, to Nineveh as God intended. And you're going to find that sometimes God will use the storms or send the storms in order to chasten and to discipline his children. We, we preached this morning in school chapel, and uh, one of our students, we were talking about uh, different ways in which you know that God loves you. And one of the students made the statement that I know God loves me because he disciplines me. And that's so true, and that's what Hebrews chapter 12 expresses. And I'm so thankful that I have a Jesus that disciplines me. I found as a child of God, I cannot get away from God, or I cannot get out of the will of God without the chastening, disciplining hand of God. And uh, one of the reasons I believe in eternal security, I believe that God uh, will never take away that gift of salvation. But I do know this, God deals with his children differently than he does with the lost world. And so God disciplines, and there are storms of discipline. Uh, Acts chapter 27, it's one of my favorite storms in the Bible. It's the storm that God sent by way of Paul, and it was a storm that we might say of decision. Uh, Paul was a prisoner. He's being shipped to Rome with other soldiers. Uh, those in charge of Paul chose to sail during dangerous weather. And we know Paul the apostle, he stood before them and he warned, he said, Sirs, I perceive that this voyage will be with much hurt and damage, not only to the lading of the ship, but also to our lives. And Paul gave the warning, but the Bible says the owners of the ship uh, believed, uh, believed others instead. They took the word of the expert instead of the word of God. And uh, they followed that advice. They followed the crowd, the more part advice that they would depart. And, and then they followed the convenience when the south wind blew softly. And so they stepped out into the sea, and soon Paul found himself, not by his desire or not by his, uh, his own failure, but uh, Paul found himself in a storm in the sea. And the Bible says that all hope that we should be saved was then taken away. It was a hopeless situation. It was dark and uh, very dreary in the life of Paul and the so-called experts, the politicians of our day, I think are really leading our world and our nation into a storm that's going to bring a destructive path down the line. And we can see that, and yet many of God's people are going to be caught in the midst of the storm. Uh, many of God's children finding themselves in a storm not of their own making necessarily. Now Paul went below deck, he sought the face of God, and we know the intervention of God in that storm, God used the men of God. It's a good thing that Paul was not Jonah. Uh, Paul was in the will of God, and here's Paul. That ship needed a Paul the Apostle. And Paul stood before that crowd, and he gave them hope. He gave them direction. He gave them safety. And by prayer, God had confirmed to the heart of Paul that all aboard that ship would be spared. And may God raise up some Pauls uh, during this stormy weather that we're sailing here in the United States of America. Now, Mark chapter 4 is a storm that I would like to call a storm of discipling. It's a storm of teaching, which all storms are for that purpose. But we'll see here particularly that God is teaching some lessons to his disciples. Now I want you to, to just look at a couple of thoughts here, and then we'll get into the message tonight. Look at verse 35, Mark chapter 4. And it reads, The same day when the even was come, he saith unto them, Let us pass over to the other side. Now Jesus knew what he was doing. He knew when he sent those disciples to pass over the other side, he knew where he was going. Uh, he knew what would be happening. He knew exactly what he was doing. It did not take him by accident. And I believe that Jesus knew 
when they entered that ship that there was a storm that was going to come, but Jesus said, we're going to go to the other side. He had a purpose, and he designed to teach them in this storm some important lessons. So we're going to grab a hold of some of these things tonight. And, you know, when God allows, allows a storm in your life, uh, we're going to learn more about him through the storm than we would have ever known had it not been for the storm. And there are some things that God will use in the difficulties of your life. There are some things that you learn in the wilderness that you would never learn otherwise. Our world is, is in a storm, uh, there's no doubt, as we're looking at, uh, at the direction of things. We're in a storm. And God's going to use the storm to teach us some things about himself that otherwise we would never grow to or never know. Now, let's look at, at just, a, and I want to focus here as we look at this storm tonight, I want to focus really upon our Savior. And there are some important things about our Savior that we learn in this storm. Uh, first of all, let's consider the working of the Savior. Again, verse 35, and it reads, The same day when the evening even was come. Now, the Gospel of Mark, and we've seen that it's, it's action-packed. In the Gospel of Mark, Jesus is the servant. And we'll find that the Son of Man has come to minister. Not to be ministered unto, but to minister. He came into this world as a servant. And so one of the key words in the Gospel of Mark is the word straightway, or the word immediately. Uh, what we find in the Gospel of Mark is that we move from one event to the next event to the next event, and it's very quick-paced. Uh, what we find in this particular section of Scripture, that this was an action-packed day for the Lord Jesus Christ. You go back Mark chapter 4, and verse number 1. And it reads, He began again to teach by the seaside, and there was gathered unto him a great multitude, so that he entered into a ship, and he sat in the sea, and the whole multitude was by the sea on the land. Now, at this time in his ministry, you're, you're going through the Gospel of Mark, and, and you're finding multitudes are following the Lord Jesus Christ. The fame of Jesus has spread through all of this region. And so the crowds, everywhere he goes, throng him. And you'll find from morning until late in the evening, the crowds pressed upon him. Uh, many of them seeking healing. Some are there for curiosity. Uh, there were there some to condemn him. Some to catch him in some capacity that they might destroy him. Uh, in, in chapter 3, even his friends, as they saw Jesus, we preached on this, said of Jesus, he's beside himself, he's gone crazy, and only a crazy man would keep such a schedule as Jesus was keeping. Now, on this particular occasion, there was such a crowd that he was forced into a ship. And when the crowd is on the seashore, here's Jesus out on the ship, and he's teaching the crowd by the shore. And it appears that he spent hours in teaching. We go to Mark 4, verse 2, and he taught them many things by parables. And he said unto them in his doctrine, and I, I thought often what a privilege this multitude had to hear Jesus. 
uh, to hear him explain the doctrine, for him to go through the scriptures and to tell the things concerning himself. He said, search the scriptures, for in them you think you have life, and they are they which testify of me. And here's the Lord Jesus Christ, the one that gave the scriptures, the one that had the perfect grasp of the scriptures, the one full of the wisdom of God. And he's teaching this multitude, teaching this crowd, and spends this great amount of day. Now, as he's teaching the crowd, you come to verse 35, and the same day, and it says, when the even was come, he said unto them, let us pass over to the other side. It seems that this was maybe the only escape from the crowd. He's taught them. He's in the ship. Uh, they've thronged the, the, the side or the shore. And now he says to the disciples, let's go to the other side. And, and even then, in verse number 36, interesting statement, it says, and when they had sent away the multitude, uh, they took him even as he was in the ship. And notice the statement, there were also with them other little ships. And uh, almost gives me the impression that some of the crowd apparently made their way to other little ships. And even as Jesus is in the ship and he's going to the other side, uh, it seems that others are there and they're going along. He just couldn't get away. It's kind of like uh, men and women of fame today. The paparazzi, they follow them and, and they can't get away from them. They're taking pictures and here's the fame of Jesus and the crowds, the multitudes are thronging him and from morning until even and even now as he's seeking to leave the crowd, other little ships are following the Lord Jesus Christ. Now you think about this, there's, there's a lesson. You'll see here the work of the Savior. Well, what a Savior. What was it that so pressed upon Jesus? Why did he keep such a schedule? And we know several times Jesus made the statement, something such as this. He said, my meat is to do the will of him that sent me. He said, I do always those things that please him. He lived his life completely for the glory of his Father. And it was in the Gospel of John that Jesus warned, I say unto you, lift up your eyes, look on the fields, for they are white already to harvest. And there's no doubt that Jesus, as he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion upon them. And in those multitudes, he saw a harvest without a harvester. He saw the grain that was wasting. He saw lives and souls that were lost and he saw the great need and that pressed upon him and that caused him from morning to evening, day after day after day uh, to do the will, to do the meat of the Father, to preach the gospel of the kingdom. He said, I must work the works of him that sent me while it is day. The night cometh and no man can work. And it's evident that the love of his Father and the love for lost souls and that brief span of time that Jesus would have on this earth would press him to that task of preaching the gospel. And it pressed Jesus to what we might say bodily, earthly limits. Now we know that Jesus is God. But though God, he became man. And he took upon him the form of a servant, was made in the likeness of man. And as a man he had these limitations he was not everywhere at once, and so the Lord pressed and pressed and pressed, and from city to city and village to village, and day after day after day, in this time span of pleasing his Father and doing the meat, the work of the Lord. And that pushed him forward to the very limits. That's the work of my Savior. 
He came to seek and to save that which was lost. And that so burdened him as he pressed forward for the sake of lost souls. Now, you read in this section of Scripture the weariness of the Savior. We see his work. That, that heavy schedule brought Jesus to physical limitations. Verse 36, Mark 4. When they had sent away the multitude, interesting statement, they took him even as he was in the ship. So remember, he's on the shore, he's teaching, and he's preaching, and now they, they take him even as he was there in the ship. And after this lengthy day of ministry, teaching and healing, and he's weary, he's hungry, and they took him even as he was in the ship, headed to the other side. That's a good thing. I, I thought about this just to have Jesus on board. If you're going to enter a storm, you want to make sure Jesus is with you. And I would say, aren't we blessed to be Christians in such a day as this? If I wasn't saved and I looked at what's happening in my world today, I'd be a mess. I'd be filled with fear. But I'm grateful that as we go through the storm, we have a Savior aboard the boat with us. It's wise to take Jesus wherever we go. You know, you're wise to take Jesus into your home, at your dinner table, into every room of your home. You're wise to have Jesus in your marriage. Wise to take Jesus with you to work and when you travel, when you play, whatever you do in every situation, to have Jesus aboard the ship with you. Now look in verse 38 here. As they took Jesus, even as he was, and the Bible says, and he was in the hinder part of the hinder part of the ship, asleep on a pillow. And they say, wake him, and say unto him, Master, carest thou not that we perish? And what, what I see is it indicates that as soon as they began to head to the other side, evidently Jesus found a place aboard that ship. He was so weary, he lay down to sleep, and, and probably not the most comfortable of beds there aboard that ship. And he was so tired, the Bible says here is verse 37, and there arose a great storm of wind, the waves beat into the ship so that it was now full. And, and so you get this picture, here's Jesus, as soon as they leave to the other side, he finds a place to go to sleep. As he's sleeping, the storm rises. He's so weary that the storm didn't even awake him. The waves are rolling into the boat so that it was now full. And here's Jesus. He sleeps, even in the midst of the storm. And even that storm didn't awake him. Have you ever been in a situation kind of like the disciples here where we think the Lord's asleep? You think he doesn't know what's going on? You ever been there? The Bible says that he never slumbers or sleeps. See, Jesus has gone to heaven. He's given his spirit. His spirit goes with us in every situation. And the Lord never slumbers nor sleeps. I read just this afternoon, Psalm 121. I will lift up mine eyes into the hills from whence cometh my help. My help cometh from the Lord, which made heaven and earth. He will not suffer thy foot to be moved. He that keepeth thee will not slumber. Behold, he that keepeth Israel shall neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is thy keeper. The Lord is thy shade upon thy right hand. The sun 
shall not smite thee by day, nor the moon by night. The Lord shall preserve thee from all evil. He shall preserve thy soul. The Lord shall preserve thy going out and thy coming in from this time forth and even forevermore. Now we've seen the working of the Savior, the weariness of the Savior, but I want you to see the will and the word of the Savior. The disciples were in the will of God. It was he that said to them, let us pass over to the other side. It was he that was in the boat with them. They took him even as he was in the ship. And in Mark chapter 5, verse number 1, and they came over to the other side. They did just exactly what the Lord told them they were going to do. He got them to their destination. Can I say he'll get you to your destination? We can be in the will of God, and in the will of God we can face what they faced in verse 37. And there arose a great storm of wind, and the waves beat into the ship, so that it was now full, we might be in the will of God, and in the will of God face hopeless, difficult situations. And in that will of God, He's with us. And even though we might think that He is asleep or that He doesn't care, He's there. And in verse 38, and He was in the hinder part of the ship, asleep on a pillow. And I believe that the Lord in His will using the storm to teach us some important lessons. I want to give you four simple lessons that we learn in the storm and the will of God. First of all, he teaches us always to seek him. In verse number 38, he was in the hinder part of the ship, asleep on a pillow, and this is good, they awake him, and say unto him, Master, carest thou not that we perish? And we know, of course, he cares in every situation. But I believe it's right to seek the Lord in every situation. I believe he cares even when it seems he's asleep. And I believe in the midst of the storm, he wants you to cast all your care upon him. And he wants you to understand that he does care for you even if you think he's forgotten you for a time. And so he teaches us always to seek him. And one thing I love about King David is that David was not perfect, but he was a man after God's own heart. David was a man that sought the Lord. He sought the Lord for direction. He sought the Lord when there was sin in his life. He sought the Lord when the enemy came against him. David was a man that constantly would seek the face of God. And if you read in the stories of the good kings and the bad kings, inevitably you will find that the good kings, there's a time when they sought the face of God. And it's a right thing. It's a good thing to seek the Savior. And so I believe sometimes that God allows a storm simply to cause us to seek Him anew. And so he teaches us to seek him. He teaches us always to trust him. You notice in verse 39, 
And he arose and rebuked the wind. And he said unto the sea, Peace be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. It's evident that our problem is nothing to him. See, many, many times we see the storm. We see the problem. We see the waves. We see the boat that's full. We see ourselves as sinking. We see the impossibilities. But he wants us to trust him in the midst of it. And you'll notice all he had to do was speak the word. All he had to do was say, peace, be still. And the sea was calm. And in verse number 40, he said unto them, why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? And so often our hearts are filled with fear. And what about the new mandates? What about the job? What about my family? What about the situation? And, and for him, our problem is nothing. For us, it seems impossible. But for him, one word is all it takes. He speaks why you're so fearful. How is it that you have no faith? Well, that's, that's a rebuke to me. How many times I've seen a situation and I've looked at it from a human perspective and it seemed hopeless. My eyes were not upon him. And how often when I got my eyes off of the problem then and on to him, I realized that that problem was nothing for a great Savior. See, if, if I feed the lilies or the birds of the field or the birds of the air, will I not feed you? If I clothe the lilies of the field, will I not clothe you? And he says, be anxious for nothing in everything. By prayer and thanksgiving with supplication, make your request known unto the Lord. And so he teaches us always to trust him. He teaches us through the storm that he's bigger than our problem. In verse number 41, he teaches us always to reverence him. And they feared exceedingly, said one to another, what manner of man is this, that even the wind and the sea obey him? What manner of man is this? Oh, he's more than a man. He's God. He's creator. He's king of kings and lord of lords. He's the God of the universe. He's the almighty. He's the one that can do anything. He's the one that spoke it into being. What manner of man is this? Even the wind and the sea obey him. Why not? He made them. And they have to obey him. And so does everything and everyone else because of who he is. Everything must obey him. Everything must worship him. Everything must bow before him. Because he has all power and all authority and all might. That's my Jesus. He's worthy. As these young people sang tonight, he's worthy of our worship. You know, isn't it good that he sometimes sends us into a storm to teach us who he is? To teach us to reverence him? 
See, sometimes he'll send us into a storm so that we might learn that our God is on the throne and our God is in total control. And uh, When the world is in a storm, this storm may get pretty rough, but we have a God that's bigger than the storm. We're going to see through the storm that Jesus is worthy, that Jesus is God, and that Jesus is good, and that Jesus is worthy of our praise. And we'll see through the storm what manner of man is this. And through the storm, we'll come to reverence the Lord. And so in the storm, he teaches us always to reverence him. He teaches us in the storm always to serve him. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. His righteousness, all these things shall be added unto you. Now remember in verse number 35, verse 36, uh, verse 35 of chapter 4. And the same day when the even was come, he saith unto them, let us pass over to the other side. Then we come to chapter 5, verse number 1, and they came over unto the other side of the sea into the country of the Gadarenes. He did exactly what he told them he was going to do. Why did we ever doubt him? He always accomplishes his promises. He's never failed a single one of them. He always fulfills his word. He brought them to the other side. Now, on the other side was a man that needed some help. In verse 2 of chapter 5, And we was come out of the ship immediately, there met him out of the tombs, a man with an unclean spirit. And so when Jesus said, let us pass to the other side, he knew about this man already. He knew this man was on the other side. And he knew the need of this man. And so through our storm, on the other side of the storm, there are people that need to see Jesus in us. There are people that need to see a God that's big enough to bring you through. And as never before, today people need in our world some Christians that are walking with Jesus. Some Christians that aren't discouraged about all the details of what's taking place, but some Christians that have put their eyes upon the Lord Jesus Christ and they understand that their God is a big God and that He's still God, that He can still work in hearts. He's still in the saving business. He's still in the business of keeping His people and people need to see the Lord through you. See, on the other side of the storm is a ministry. On the other side is a place of service. Now, one word from Jesus calms the storm. And one word from Jesus healed the demoniac. In chapter 5, verse number 8, He said unto him, Jesus said to this demoniac, Come out of the man, thou unclean spirit. And we read in verse number 13, And forthwith Jesus gave them leave, and the unclean spirits went out. And entering into the swine, the herd ran violently down a steep place into the sea. There were about 2,000 and were choked in the sea. And they that fed the swine fled and told into the city and the country. And as they went out to see what was done, they come to Jesus and see him that was possessed with the devil and had the legion sitting clothed and in his right mind. And they were afraid. One word from Jesus changed the entire situation. Wow. Hallelujah. What a Savior. What a God. What a King. See, the storm will prove that to us. See, no no matter what the Lord allows in your life, 
He allowed it for a reason. It couldn't happen to you except he allowed it. And when he allowed it, he had a purpose in it. There's a lesson that he wanted to teach you. So even in the will of God, the Lord uses and teaches those lessons. Yes, some storms are for discipline. Jonah needed the discipline of God. And I've been through the storms of discipline. Some storms are brought on us by the decisions of others. And we might have no control over the situation. There may be some things coming down the pike that are completely out of our hands. But they're not out of hands of Jesus. And these storms are for the purpose of discipling. They're for the purpose of growing you in the Lord Jesus Christ. They're for the purpose of building your faith. They're for the purpose of teaching you more about Jesus than you've ever known before. They're for the purpose that you might be able to look as the disciples. <laughs> what matter of man is this? That even the wind and the sea obey him. All my Jesus has to do is give one word. And that word is sufficient. Now I want to just close with, with this thought. If you go back to chapter 4. Because this is what I kept coming back to in my heart in verse number 40. You see we know all of these things. We see all of these things. And yet he said to them and he has to speak this to our hearts. Why are you so fearful? Why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? He speaks that to me over and over. See, I, I cannot with my finite human mind ever figure out God. I can't figure out what he's doing. I can't understand the situation. And sometimes when I try to figure everything out, it just blows my mind. And so what I've had to come to realize is that my God is on the throne. And he's okay. He's going to be all right. And he's not going to leave us. And even if he appears to be asleep at times, he's there. So I just want to close with that thought. The storm will prove to you that Jesus is a great God. Let's bow our heads.